0: Welcome to the Inside the 8 podcast with your hosts, Jamie Monroe and Colleen McGarity. This podcast is dedicated to all things women's lacrosse. We will break down top games of the week, discuss coaching strategies, and lacrosse recruiting. We will even bring in some of the game's top coaches and players as special guests. And now, here are your hosts, Jamie and Colleen.
1: How's it going, everybody? Really excited to be back in, on the Inside the 8 podcast with Colleen McGarity and our special guest, Hofster head coach, Shannon Smith. How's it going, Colleen? How you doing, Shannon?
0: Doing well, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, pumped to have Shannon on here. I was waiting for the special time, and it was quarantine time to get Shannon on.
2: Have <laughs> you guys played together?
0: Oh, yeah. We played together on the U19 team when we were no in Yeah. yeah. I've known wow. Colin for a very long time.
1: That's so cool. So you guys, you guys were classmates then?
0: We were, I was one year above Shannon. Got so it. So Shannon was the young buck on the U19 team. There were only a few of the, the young ones. Yeah. And, uh, I was going to say, I think I've known you probably since sophomore year of high school, I want to say. Yeah. And our dads bonded right away. So <laughs> you we know, would always be okay. together.
2: I think our families might have had more fun tailgating at uh, the lacrosse games than and with our siblings than uh, than us with them.
0: Exactly, and they're a funny sight. Jamie, uh, Bill Smith's a a bigger guy. My dad's a little tiny guy, so it's like they're.
1: It's a good combo.
0: Right My dad gets in a bunch of fights just because Bill stands next to him. <laughs>
1: Well, I definitely had an evening out with uh, your dad, and um, it was it was pretty epic. So I'm sure they had you guys have had some uh, great times. But, uh, calling, why don't you kick us off um, and start uh, this conversation with Shannon about lacrosse topics?
0: Yeah, um, Shannon just wanted to chat really about you. We're having a great season. It stinks that it was you know coming to an end, but just wanted to chat about you know your thoughts as your team this year what were things that were clicking what was going well your stud player is it Alyssa right Perella correct she was playing unbelievable give me some thoughts on the start of your season and sorry I had to come to a, an abrupt end
2: yeah you know I, obviously this year um, you know we knew going into is going to be a really special year for us we had a, a really tremendous senior class and a group of them who've played every game and started every game since their freshman year. Um, and we had a really talented junior sophomore and an incoming freshman class as well. So it was just about staying healthy. How can we get that chemistry um, both on and off the field? And more importantly, I think our success really led to uh, the tremendous leadership that we had on our team with our with three of our captains, Alyssa Perella, Alexa Matera and and Darcy Smith. And you know, we just really truly enjoyed coaching them and It's unfortunate that our season ended the way it was but um you know it's it's all sports across the board in ncaa division one two and three and you know i think that there's a bigger picture to it and although it was definitely heartbreaking and and really upsetting to be in that locker room when when we were told the news i think at the end of the day you know right now it's 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 a much bigger picture than the game of lacrosse
3: i'm john canaris founder of oxia time a watch company specializing in university-branded watches. Before I fell in love with watches, I fell in love with lacrosse. Maybe you've heard of the Air Gate? Well, that was me in gold that day. We may not have won the national championship, but we did win the Ivy League that year, and two years before. The first time, we got a ring that we never wore. The second time, we got a watch that while it had great sentimental value, the quality didn't match the significance of our achievements or the memories we created. Ever since then, I've looked for a watch with the design and quality that would live up to my experiences at Penn. After 30 years of looking and not finding what I wanted, I decided to build it myself. At Axia Time, we create Swiss-made automatic watches with stylish designs and quality befitting the universities we represent. Premium watches without the premium price. Check us out at axiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A-Time.com
0: it in a good perspective right now and like what were some of your I guess mindset things culture things and you know, we've been on a bunch of teams together what would you say was your driving force for the season right now and that you're kind of continuing to foster with them now virtually or you know from afar
2: Yeah I I think um, you know for us like one of the more more important things is kind of the team first mentality Um, you know no matter what and I think just also having good character both on and off the field and just kind of you know doing the right thing Um, I think that's something that we always talked about with our team and and having a perfect effort you know Uh, I think everyone always talks about like oh give 110 percent or you know give a hundred percent but I think, you know, for us, we just talked about giving your your perfect effort, whether it was on the field during practice for a play, just that extra hustle play, or, you know, whether you're studying for a test, just, you know, giving your perfect effort towards that, because that's really truly all you can ask for from your student athletes. And, um, you know, we really, you know, positivity, having fun, and and having that family atmosphere. And, um, you know, obviously just being super competitive as well. So I think those are some of the things that really carried us, um, you know, for for this season and and right now as a team you know kind of sticking together putting that team first and you know right now you know our message to them is we're part of a bigger team now you know um and you know for us it's about you know doing what you have to do to be part of that bigger team to help you know maybe that elderly neighbor that's living next to you or you know the people that are sick you know doing your part and staying inside and, and staying active and staying healthy Um, you know, and, and just trying to give them different areas to be competitive with. Obviously we can't compete on the lacrosse field anymore, but I think our message yesterday with online classes starting was, you know, let's, um, let's have the best GPA in the CAA conference for, for women's lacrosse academically. You know, let's make that our goal over these next couple of weeks and, and really focus on your academics.
0: That's great. Uh, I totally agree with all that stuff and kind of trying to do the same thing with my high school team, just making them think of the bigger things and being grateful for things. Um, which, you know, just trying to, you know, get that positive mindset instead of thinking like, why is this taken away from us? Going back onto the field, I'm going to ask one more questions, and then Jamie, um, you can take it over. I'll talk more defensively, and then I'll have Jamie kind of pick um, some offensive questions, but what was your game plan? What's your go-to defense zone, man-to-man, both? Change it up, high pressure, low pressure?
2: Yeah, it's a a great question. Uh, Amanda Johansson coaches our defense and uh, does a really tremendous job, um, you know, down there with them. I think um, for us, um, you know, we know what our strengths are defensively. Uh, You know, we have some really good uh, lockdown 1v1 defenders. We do a really good job scouting, so um, we'll kind of see what the opposing team's strengths are and kind of try to exploit their weaknesses. So if we're going against like a really – heavy dodging team um, that aren't really into feeding the ball and handling the ball under pressure in the middle, we'll, we'll kind of throw in a zone in there. Um, you know, sometimes if a, an opposing team really relies heavily on, on one player, we'll, we'll throw in a face guard. Um, but we, we have, we have a couple, um, Sabrina Cristadero, who actually transferred in from Florida. she's probably one of the best defenders that I've ever seen play. Um, and she pretty much can, um, cover any opposing teams attacker. And then we also have Shannon Boyle as well, who is a tremendous, uh, defender from up top shutting down to, def- um, one-on-one Dodgers. So. I think it just really depends, you know, what the opposing team's strengths are and how can we take that away and exploit their weaknesses. And if, whether that's a zone, a man, or, or a face guard, um, we have all of them. So we just kind of take it game by game.
0: That's great. Do you typically pressure behind, like all out, if you are in your man-to-man? Or once again, that's going to kind of be game by game, what, whether uh, what they're good? At?
2: Yeah, we pressure out no matter what, especially with those, you know, I know few years ago it happened with the rule changes of being able to play defense in the crease um we pressure out no matter what just because if you can cover your angles properly um a defender should really truly never kind of get beat back there and obviously sometimes you go against some really good attackers who are pretty quick and can finish those low angle shots but um you know we do pressure out behind maybe not so much in those dead zone areas but we'll shade out we'll lock passes off behind if if they want to kind of transition that ball through x through Uh, through a team slow break. But, um, you know, we definitely do do that as well.
0: Shannon, you mentioned
1: that you have a lockdown defender. And I want to dive into that a little bit. Um, What does it mean? And how is it possible to be a lockdown defender without fouling? How do you teach that? And how does she do it? And what makes her so special at doing that?
2: Yeah, so uh Sabrina is definitely um gifted. Um, you know, she'll she'll even say it to her, say it um herself if you ask her. She's she's just gifted athletically. Um she's super quick and fast and athletic, side to side. Um so, you know, for us, I think what makes the lockdown defender so special, what makes her special is that she can play up top on the wings, the dead zone spots and behind. Um, she can play anywhere on the field, which is, you know, sometimes you don't see that in defenders. Um, I think for her, she's just really good at cutting down angles and and having really great body position, she gets there with her feet. She doesn't, you know, really her stick's always in the the proper spot, up, not too much horizontal, where referees kind of blow that whistle. And um, I think one thing about her is that she's as that ball's arriving to her attacker, she's already on their hands. So sometimes that attacker's like automatically moving that ball um, out of their stick because they don't want to really dodge against her. Um, and I think sometimes when you're that good of a defender, sometimes you're automatically in an attacker's head before that game starts, knowing how aggressive um, and how good that they are. And, um, you know, she's been doing this for the past two years down at Florida. She was their top defender for them. And, you know, luckily for us, she wanted to come back home. And, um, you know, she, she was a pretty special for, player for us this year.
1: Interesting. So she's so athletic that that people have a hard time getting a step, right? And she's able to bump them off track. Um and that makes perfect sense. My my next question, and this is a conversation, an extension of a conversation. Okay, so my next question is relative to the same topic, but instead of trying to use speed and quickness, um, think about basketball. Colin Colleen was a hoop player. Shannon, were you a basketball player too? I was. Okay, so you know how, like, if you're struggling to beat somebody who's so quick that you can beat them in a post-up situation, you turn your back, especially if you haven't put your dribble down, and all of a sudden you don't have to worry about them beating you to a spot and pushing you off your line because you can basically use pivots and spins and, and rockers, essentially, to beat people. Um, to me, this is, like, one of the most – one of the biggest opportunities in women's lacrosse, because if you think about basketball, it's pretty hard to stop somebody in the post. And there is this thing called the double dribble rule, but in lacrosse, there's no double dribble rule and they can't body you anymore. I'm wondering if you've given any thought to that or if you've seen that um, as it relates to trying to go up against a defender at the at the caliber of this, um, of, your, of your defender.
2: Yeah, so I think that's a really great point that you bring up. Um, and I think my first first reaction to that and my first thought is I feel like um, when when I was a player, and I don't mean to bring that up, is I definitely use body positioning and rockers um, and stuff like that to be able to get my shot off. Um, because I feel as if like some of the best attackers, you are the most dangerous when they can be able to score at any point. And I think that's something that I really try to translate to our midfielders and attackers is that you have to be able to score when a defender's still on your hands. You got to be able to get your stick free, be able to rock or step around, whether it's a sidearm shot or behind the back, whatever you have to do to be able to get your hands free to get a shot. And I think that like, sometimes no matter how good you, you are as a defender, we tell our defense that sometimes great players are going to get off a great shot and they're going to score a goal and you can't overanalyze. you got to have to be like great shot, try harder to get on their hands and move forward because they're not going to make all 10 of those in one game Um, and sometimes you got to get like let one or two of those go from a top attacker I think the one thing about Sabrina which allows her not to allow those shots to happen with attackers that are on her is that she does just a really great job in getting on your hands and forcing you out to begin with like she'll pressure you out by the 15 and it's very hard to beat her and I think you know, we have a really exceptional attacker, one of the best players in the country on our team, Alyssa Perella, who's got probably the quickest first step I've ever seen. Um, and – it was a battle for them all fall and season going up against each other one-on-one. And I think that the addition of Sabrina has made a list of that much better um, of a Dodger, of a cutter, and just them being able to battle it out every day and, and be able to communicate of, Hey, if you do this, that's going to work against me, or it's going to work against another defender or, Hey, don't do this, do this instead. So I think, um, you know, it's always really great to see that competitive battle at practice because it. At the end of the day, it makes you better. And um, I think that one of the, satisfying things for me as a coach was, you know, going to this season, we told Alyssa, you know, really focus on your left hand. Um, It's going to make you that much more of a threat. If you dodge three times to your left in a game, it's going to give you like one or two more openings to get to your right hand. This year when we played Hopkins, we had a big win um, at Hopkins. We were down like by five goals at one point um, in the second half and uh, we beat them in overtime but Alyssa had three goals in that game with her left hand and you know scored the game winner with her left hand dodging to her left hand in overtime so um, it was just like one of those things that like the hard work pays off no matter how frustrated you were in the beginning of the year at practice of constantly being stopped um, you know that work pays off and it will show dividends when, when you play games.
1: One more quick question building on a comment you made a second ago about um, how much these two made each other better. And you re- referenced dodging, but you also referenced cutting. And it made me wonder, okay, so when you're playing defense and you're playing man-to-man and you're trying to not let people cut, right? You try to get in the way, jam up their cuts. And to the extent the refs let you, you're going to try to, like, you know, play them almost like, they're, like you're on ball defense and try to get in the way, use your cross-check where you can. What is your advice on how to beat that? when somebody is like blocking you and actually holding you with their, with their cross check hold a little bit. um, Do you have little tricks of the trade that you can teach people on those kinds of uh, situations or what did you do?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, So, you know, going back to speaking about Alyssa, um, last year as a junior, um, you know, she was just really uncoverable at points during the season because she's just an elite dodger. And uh, I pulled her over to the side and I said, listen, you know, we need you to kind of score like 80 goals for us this year, but you're not going to do that in all dodging. And this was like towards the end of February so we already played like four or five games last year as a junior with her and she's just looking at me and I said you know you're a great dodger but I think you're an even better cutter and uh, I said I think you're going to score more of your goals cutting this year than dodging and she was just looking at me and you know, part of my reason was, was as a coach, I was looking ahead at the CAA and everyone was playing zones at this point in season. So um, we took, we, we did a really great job and we worked a lot at practice on different cuts and, you know, with people holding you, of, you know, if they're going to hold you, maybe cut in at them, cut back out and, and cut back to the ball. Um, if they're leaning on you and putting a lot of pressure, to step back a couple of steps. Uh, another great move is if you want your right hand open, is is cutting hard to your left. Um, and as that defender kind of is really holding uh, holding on to you, kind of rolling back to your right hand real quick. I think a lot of cutting has to do with timing as well, and having a really good feeder on your team and having that ball there as that girl turns to kind of um, you know put that ball away. Uh, and it's kind of like almost like a quarterback with their wide receiver being able to throw the ball up in the air before they even turn out of their out of their turn to catch the ball. So Um, similar stuff. And those are kind of different things that we work on at practice.
1: We were doing a little uh, street lacrosse with my kids yesterday. And my son grew up playing a lot of box lacrosse and my older daughter was covering him tight. And we had uh, my younger daughter was a pick. I was the feeder and we were just like messing around, filming it, looking at some cool stuff. And she was playing him really tight and he just swatted her, the head of her stick out of the way and ran by it because that's in box lacrosse. You're constantly being cross-checked um and i was like man that is such a great call in women's across if you're ever being jammed up i'm sure that is not legal but uh, have you ever yeah, tried that? You ever out? Out. um
2: you know i, I- I think that I, one of my players have probably definitely done that before. I probably definitely done that before, but uh, if you got caught by the ref, it's probably going to be a foul. So uh, I'm sure there's a lot of things that go on in the middle uh, with tight defenders on attackers, but um, I, I guess you just got to do what you got to do to get open and if caught, you get caught. But if you don't, you don't.
1: So I have two questions, Shannon. One is, do you, dodge against the zone and if so how do you dodge against the zone that's my first question I'll let you answer that one and then I got one more question about your zone offense
2: um we we do dodge against the zone um because I think it just naturally happens as an attacker um but I wouldn't say it's like like a normal dodge like you would see against a man um I think the dodges come when the seams open up with the ball movement of throwing those throwback passes of getting that um if I'm dodging towards the middle and I got that girl to kind of slide to the elbow a little bit I throw that throwback pass and sometimes you can dodge underneath the elbow or you hit the girl as she's coming out of the eight and you can dodge underneath the seam um, but as you kind of like wear them down in the clock the shot clock you kind of really did the dodging opportunities open up because the seams get wider and wider and they kind of get their themselves spread out as you get the cutters going and you get those throwback passes
1: and then um Uh, It seems to me, you know, in, in coaching women's lacrosse and going against zones and trying to run a zone that faking is oftentimes the best way to dodge against zones, faking through the gaps and hitching.
2: I totally agree. That's stuff that, you know, we definitely practice with our team is um, throwing those hitch fakes, um, throwing those fake passes, um, looking off the passes across to the lefty and throwing the throwback or looking the throwback off and and throwing it to to the lefty cutter coming down. So I think it just organically happens while they're playing and um, just kind of always doing a lot of different um, drills at practice to kind of simulate what they're going to see during a game.
1: It's just uh, very unnatural for girls growing up playing only against man-to-man or playing primarily against man-to-man where speed is the whole key, whereas when you play against zone, it's a lot more about hesitations and fakes and, like you say, finding those seams, finding those gaps and being able to manipulate those gaps.
2: No, I totally agree, and I think, like, one of the biggest things is um, that we've learned and definitely from the players is spacing is huge, too, um, and uh, being disciplined with your spacing, but also I feel like sometimes a lot of people are like, oh, zone," like, kind of legit lethargically like move through it and like you still have to move the the ball has to be fast in a zone so you can really get them moving their heads as a D de- on the defense but also as an attacker you definitely have to kind of keep up your speed as well but don't go too quick I think like one thing that we talk about is a lot of zones that we see is they're kind of like passing off the cutters in the middle so like one thing is like as you see yourself getting passed off make sure you're cutting back to the ball because sometimes you're going to be open as well in those situations which I think a lot of players miss and they're not um aware of their surroundings
1: so that perfect segue into my last question about your zone which is about the cutting i was going to ask you how do you teach re uh double cuts but but you just sort of talked about a recut situation maybe you can just sort of just make sure everybody understands that and then if you wouldn't mind how do you set up double cuts
2: yeah, so I think um, the whole thing about the recut is um, when we do shooting drills at practice, and we know we're going up against zone, um, we'll kind of set up a lot of different um, shooting drills with a dodger coming across the top of the twelve, with a lefty at- with a righty coming down, um, and then like we'll blow a whistle for you to kind of have that recut, or we'll have like a, a coach in there being like the dummy defender of passing off just so that. Uh, players can get used to kind of having to do that recut. Um, and and within the double cut, I think that, um, you know, we we do a lot of smaller drills with whether it's a four and three or a three v two in the split eight or in the 12. And, um, you know, just setting up situations where they can see where these double cuts are coming from. Uh, but we also have an, off, uh, an offense where we have the double cut coming from the backside as well. Got it. Thank you.
0: Now, in order to do all this, like, and this is where, you know, Northwestern was rooted in stick work and you had amazing hands and, you know, really good shot. What are your go-to, you know, little stick work drills? You do them super fast paced on the move, shooting drills. What would you say are you're like, all right, you get this in at least every other day or every day?
2: Uh, Wall ball is huge. Uh, We do a lot of wall ball practice. Um, It's kind of cool. We actually, um, you know, I think everyone's like, always like try to hit the same spot on the wall. And underneath our stadium, we have like little pillars. Um, and i probably say it's about six inches across and, uh, we have enough for every player. So we tell everyone to grab a pillar. So you're kind of like, you only restrict it to like six inches and, um, you're doing your stick work that way. Uh, we also do a, like a lot of kind of like keep away stuff within a box and trying to pass the ball from layer to layer, kind of like very similar to soccer, um, and, um, doing keep away drills with that. And then we just do a lot of stick work inside the 12 and, and setting up different situations, uh, where it's going to be make it super hard for the attack to be able to move the ball um, but also simulating our offense and and having that keep away and a lot of times at practice um, sometimes we'll go like seven attackers versus eight defenders sometimes.
0: I like that a lot of times you do it the opposite like seven v six work the d but putting in that extra defender is nice to put a little bit more pressure on the attackers.
2: Yeah, and it also clogs up the middle. It makes the lanes harder to see for for an, an opposing attacker as you're making those feeds and stuff. And at the end of the day, it's a it's definitely a lot of hard work, and um, it's just kind of discipline. And you got to have that ke- chemistry with your attackers on the field. At the end of the day,
0: nice, James. Do you have any follow ups on stick work before I ask one more on? Um, draw?
2: yeah. My one question is
1: uh, around your stick work and your drills in general. How how often do you make things competitive?
2: Um we we try to make it as competitive as we can. I think that was definitely our focus in, in preseason was making things super competitive, um, whether it's a blue versus white or different classes versus different classes with drills that we do um, competitions of how many passes you can get before you get it to the next box. Um, you know, stuff like that. But I think at the end of the day, um you know, we we try to do our best with it. Um, And then during season, you kind of lose track of that because you're like prepping for the next game. And I think it's always after that loss, you're like, oh, we got to get our team more competitive. So I think it's just like being very self-conscious up in the office of like trying to get at least one or two competitive drills in practice that kind of always kind of simulate that competitive nature so kids don't lose sight of it.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's like we all know as coaches and as play that the players like it better and we get we get more intensity and stuff like that, but we don't always get the reps that we want, either the the quality of the rep that we want or the quantity of the rep. Like they'll try to win the game and it might be at the expense of what you're trying to teach. Yeah. But um but I I really think that the competitiveness is so key and um i've i've really personally tried to get myself back in that direction somewhat to what you it sounds like you're doing
2: yeah and i also think that um i think you kind of nailed it as sometimes it's as a coach you're you're limited with the amount of time you get on your field and and when you're in season you're like you got to prep for the next game and sometimes you just lose sight of um You know, you don't get some players, don't get enough reps and they don't get enough quality reps, like you were talking about. So, I think, like, sometimes you know, it's really stressing the importance to athletes that extra work. If you really want to be great at at your sport and have a really great craft, like, you have to put the extra work in on your own because sometimes at practices, coaches are looking at the bigger things of offense and defense and, and not they can't spend two hours a day on shooting and stick work because they got to work on the bigger things. So, I think it's also really important that you know you put the extra work in and and that's why for us a focus in the fall and throughout the month in November is all about the little things and doing the the stick work and the amount of reps and shooting so that we could focus on bigger things as season comes.
0: Nice. That's great. Moving on to the draw, which Shannon, you were obviously very, very good at. And um, we used to have a draw team, which I was fortunate to be a part of for some random reason. I said I think I was just maybe that sixth person because I needed an extra person <laughs> to go but um as a defender draw taker um but uh what do you do something similar do you have a go-to person right now that goes to herself or are you more scrappy on the circle um is that somewhere you need to improve on uh, do you use a specific draw stick kind of tell me what's going on with your team and your philosophy
2: yeah. Well, first it's amazing how far the draw has come from when we were in college. I mean, right. there's like draw sticks and draw heads and what sticks coming off the field to get the right stick on the field. And in college, this was just not the way when we were in, when we were playing. So I think that's just, um, you know, funny in itself, but I think, obviously, we both came from from the same program and with Kelly, and draws are huge. And, um, you know, draws, you know, win games. You you get more possessions on the offensive side of the field for your team. Um, So draws for us is definitely a a focus and really big for us. Uh, Amanda Johansson coaches our draws and the draw team and does a phenomenal job with them Um, she played at USC so was coached by Lindsay and Alyssa Leonard coached her as well so um, a lot of the same people in the same area teaching the draw uh, but she's just done a phenomenal job um, with our draw team so Darcy Smith is our draw girl Um, she really you know really only started taking them probably her junior year towards the, after the first couple of games and, um, I wish she was taking them all four years, but she's just an unbelievable beast at them. And um, she puts in work every day with Amanda in the draws, and she's got a variety of different draws. So I think that's like one thing going into her senior year, we're able to really allow, give her a little bit more rope and kind of feel out what the opposing player was doing and, and what she needed to do to change. Um, so uh, she can get a lot of draws to herself, um, but she can also use her circle as well, which is Sabrina Cristodero, and Alexa Matera, and they've done a phenomenal job um on the draw circle um you know our team calls them the dream team because they are they are
0: pretty good at it <laughs> that's great i mean you need those three people to be in sync like I think people take for granted how much you need to communicate and we used to really really focus on our signs back in the day and and i just remember that everyone on the field needed to know the sign like not just the three people people behind the line everyone had to be on the same page so it's it's crazy but it definitely has evolved but Glad to see you have still some of the same roots going there, though, too. Oh,
2: yeah, definitely the same roots. Draws are are really, really important, and and it's definitely a focus on us for us every day at practice.
1: Colleen, what were the signs you were referring to?
0: Um, So the draw taker would have signs of where they're placing the ball. So – and those signs would change every single game. Um, So we'd have four different – or five different kind of signs. So draw to yourself or draw front or back. Right, Shan? and then down the line win it big or lose it so you'd make a sign of where you're placing that ball and everyone on the field needed to be aware and I think it's really important to make sure because I can't stand it when high school girls especially aren't paying attention behind the line that ball rolls behind the line and you're like I'm like if you just looked at the sign you would have known that she called lose it and should be coming to you do you know what I mean so like so it's just making sure that um yeah, everyone's on the same page and you're aware and you're ready for the ball at all times.
2: And I think, um, I think one of the coolest things that I remember from college is um, the rules were a little bit different. So when we played, you were able to come over as soon as the whistle blew people from behind the restraining line were able to come over. Right. Am I losing my mind call? Or was that? Yeah. That was yeah. The yeah. And so it just wasn't a three on three for a ground ball in between the restraining lines, everyone could come. So That's I know for us, it, mass chaos. So for us, it was definitely every day of practice, especially as we had a bad day on the – a bad game with the draws. Um, it was like a battle of who could box who out behind the restraining line, who could fight for a ground ball. You know, point of focus for our coaches was to be locked in on the draw for those 10 to 15 seconds and weather the storm.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I bring that around now to my high school team, even with staying behind the restraining lines. Because I also think just body language is huge and just being ready for the ball. Like I can't stand when people behind the line are like, just like, you know, looking at the sky or like, oh, I'm just gonna like stand here. I'm like, just be ready. I don't even care if it doesn't even come anywhere close to you. Just be ready so that you can look like you might box out. Yeah, don't care if you don't do it, just That one time, like that one time <laughs> when the ball comes is,
2: is either is when that thing goes flying past them. Exactly, exactly.
0: Um, hey,
1: what do you think of this idea a friend of mine Andy Towers one of the greatest all-time face-off uh, men in men's lacrosse has a daughter who takes a draw and he he like nailed a stick to like a tree and where you could like do draws against a stick that's like locked into a tree at the right height and just work on ripping it in a technique do you think that would be something Shannon or, Colleen, that would be, like, useful?
2: Personally, I think, um, you know, if you can drill it in the right way and that stick head's not going to move, I think it could be totally useful because I know, um, you know, when our draw girls practice, um, you know, sometimes Coach Amanda's standing there and they're just kind of doing – practicing their movements off of a whistle and quick hands, um, and her stick's not really moving. It's just sitting there and they can practice – their movement of the different draws that they have um so I think that's huge it's a uh,
0: super smart idea yeah I was gonna say I think you can do all the <laughs> critical draws. have to call my kid and tell her to put a stick you next to it have like <laughs> tree stumps like all around Hofstra's field with like sticks nailed I have,
1: I'll send you guys um a video or a picture of it I somewhere on my phone I have that
0: that's yeah. awesome it's I can't cool. wait to see it uh, I have a question, Chan, just like kind of ending off um, our time together. Um, thoughts on just recruiting right now for these 21s, 22s. What do you, What's your advice for why well, now, like what they should be doing during this crazy time? Obviously, there's a lot of stressed out kids, parents, me and you as club directors as well. Kind of stressful figuring out what's going on with this crazy world. But what what are you what are your takeaways right now that they should be focusing on?
2: You know, I think right now the biggest thing is um, for families and kids to stay safe and healthy. Control what you can control. I think that, um, I think a lot of people, um, you know, right now the game of lacrosse and recruiting is not something you can control. Um, I think it's months off. It's two to three months off. So, to get yourself worked up about that right now um, is why, why give yourself that extra stress and that extra anxiety. I think control what you can control and um, you know, do your in workout. If you got a treadmill inside your house, you know, stay in shape, do workouts inside. I think they're all over social media right now, um, you know, with in-home workout plans, um, you know, find a wall on the outside of your house or in your basement uh, to keep your stick in your hands. Uh, I remember when I was younger, um you know my dad put a quilt in our basement and we would shoot some lacrosse balls into it at night um I think there's just different ways that you can be creative to you know stay active um inside your house and you know control what you can control don't you get yourself worked up and you know email coaches letting them know that you're interested and you know we'll all see what happens and where the summer takes
0: us right now great advice totally agree
1: good stuff Shannon Thanks Colleen. Um, love talking lacrosse and getting a break from the realities of the world, but, um, it was awesome to learn from you Shannon and, uh, really fun lacrosse conversation. Glad we recorded it.
2: I appreciate you guys having me.